Thank you for tuning in to our podcast, Salt and Light, where we'll cover foundational principles for being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Enjoy this episode with ears to hear and hearts that listen. So let's go check the facts with your host, also known as my dad, Casey Harrison. Welcome back to another episode of Salt and Light where our mission is to boldly illuminate genetically altered Christianity and replace it with a firm foundation for a relationship with God while empowering disciples to disciple. Now, from the beginning of this ministry, we've been using the example of building a house to build your house of relationship with God. And we first found out that we have to clean off the landscape of our hearts, of any trailers of religion or anything that's taken root. And then we have to dig out the footers so we can pour a firm foundation. And that's the second step, getting that strong, firm foundation in the ground before we start building this house. And we covered all of that in the foundation series previously. And now it's time to frame our house. But before we can do that, we need to take an inventory of what's in our toolbox. Let's make sure that we know what we have to work with. And that's where the toolbox series comes in. Our first tool that we talked about was the blueprint, also known as the Bible. A buddy of mine did a sermon recently, and he described the Bible as the best instruction book for living every day. I had never heard that before, and I thought that was pretty awesome. B-I-B-L-E. The second tool that we've already discussed is our crew, the people around us. God uses those people around us to provoke us, to keep us accountable, and to encourage us. And those two are the external tools that God gave us. This week, we're going to actually dive into the internal tool God gave us to assist in building the house of relationship with Him. And that first tool is that inner voice inside of us, the voice of consciousness. I never stop being amazed at how the world agrees that we all have this voice of conscience. They just won't admit that the conscience was embedded into our DNA by God Himself. Our conscience is the voice that points out that there is an authority to what's right and what's wrong. That's the part that culture leaves out. The authority. They try to make us the authority and not allow God to be who God is. You know, the creator. What do I mean by that? To have right and wrong, you have to have morality. So I googled, how is morality determined? And what I got was pretty interesting. It was the theories of morality. Right and wrong is determined by what you, the subject, just happen to think or feel is right or wrong. Which is very interesting. If morality is subject to what we think or what we feel is right or wrong, then how is it possible that we have justice or the law? And it's a simple answer to it. You can't. You can't have justice in a society built on law without a moral absolute. With that being the case, I googled, what is a moral absolute? And I got a definition for moral absolutism, which is an ethical view that all actions are intrinsically right or wrong. Stealing, for instance, might be considered always immoral, even if it's done for the well-being of others, and it promotes good in the end. An article from the Huff Post. Morality is Absolute and Evolving, published in September 5th, 2011, mirrors that definition a little bit. The writer goes on to say that there are values 
in our world that express how things ought to be. The values tell us that certain things are always right and certain things are always wrong. Now keep in mind that this writer admits to being a Jewish believer, which makes sense while in their perspective they attribute moral absolutism to the ultimate being of God. But the Google definition for moral absolutism doesn't give such authority for determining right and wrong. The Google definition, or the world's definition, attributes it to an intrinsic feeling. This writer attributes it to God. There's another article I read by ethicsrapt.utexas.edu that attempted to also define moral absolutism. And they asserted that moral absolutism is certain universal moral principles by which all people's actions may be judged. Then they go on to say that moral absolutism is challenged by moral relativism, which denies that there's an absolute moral value. It's also challenged by moral pluralism, which urges tolerance of other moral principles without concluding that all views are equally valid. In one view, it's intrinsic, it's internal. Another view is it's universal, the universe gives it to us. And then the other view is God gives it to us. It all gets really confusing and convoluted. Everybody wants to talk about morality, but no one gives time to find out where it came from. They give the absolute to some other part of creation. That doesn't make sense to me. Because you can't have morality without an absolute authority, not something that changes. And creation is always changing. The absence of an absolute authority means that there can be no consequences because without a judge to judge right and wrong, everyone's right. But that doesn't explain how we have this conscience inside of us that lets us know when we're going down the right path or the wrong path. It doesn't explain how that internal voice is there because all of us have it. Maybe if I called it a gut feeling, people would understand it a little bit more. Everybody has that gut feeling. Mm, maybe I shouldn't get in the car with him and go on that date. He seems kind of shady. Or, you know, maybe I shouldn't go to that party. Something just doesn't feel right. It's that internal voice. I heard a story of a young woman that was a babysitter for a couple and babysitted their two kids. And she only did it one time because after she met the dad, she got the creeps. She just got creeped out. So they kept asking her to come back and babysit their kids, but she would always refuse. Well, about 15 years later, her mom gave her a call and told her that the father of those two kids was going to prison because he had continuously raped his own daughter over a long period of time. Well, that young woman often wonders, if I'd continued babysitting and didn't pay attention to that gut feeling that I had, could that have happened to me? You see, that feeling of the creeps that creeped her out that gut feeling is most likely what saved that girl from potentially getting raped. It was that inner voice that told her that might be the wrong path. Admit it or not, we all have that voice. We all have that gut feeling, that conscience, that voice of conscience that points out what's right and what's wrong. And since we all know we have it, we really need to find out where it came from. And we can only find that out from an absolute authority. And in previous episodes, what is our absolute authority? The Bible, Jeremiah 31, 33. 
For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. It comes from God. Oh, wait, Casey. God's talking about the people of Israel, his chosen people. Okay, well, he's not in Romans 2, 14 and 15, where Paul writes, For when Gentiles, who do not have the law, by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves. Even though they do not have the law, they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. Let's examine Romans 2.14 real quick. Gentiles, everyone who's not a Jew, were not given the law. The Greek word there for law is namas, the Pentateuch, the sacred books of the Old Testament. So Gentiles were not given the sacred books of the Old Testament, but by nature, they do what the Pentateuch requires. By nature, the Greek word there is phoses, which means a physical origin or a birth. So the Gentiles that don't have the law that God gave the Israelites, from birth, they do what the laws required by that internal knowing of what's right and wrong from birth. Everyone has namas, the law. Everyone has that namas from the day that they're born. And if you have it from birth, then it's safe to say that you didn't give it to yourself. I mean, you weren't even able to hold up your head when you were first born without help from somebody else. God gave us that law to point us in the right direction. God gave us that internal voice to point out what's right and wrong. He gave us that gut feeling, that voice consciousness. And it's to be used as a tool to confirm the blueprint that he gave us. That inner voice also gives us the ability to agree with our crew. Even when we really don't know what we're doing, sometimes we get that sense that what they're saying is actually in our best interest. And maybe it's a good idea to listen. That inner voice allows us to connect with all of the tools we've talked about and the tool we're going to talk about next week, which is our feelings. That's right. God gave you the tool of the inner voice, the namas, that law, to guide you in the right direction so that you can understand the blueprint, believe in your crew, and use your feelings for benefit, not destruction. But we'll get into more of that next week. For now, that's all the time we have. If you've been impacted by this ministry and you believe this message is something that somebody else needs to hear, please share this message on Facebook or share it through text, however you can share it. Share it with the people that you care about. And on Facebook, you can like it, leave a review in the comment area. You can also click the follow button so you get updates on the new content as it comes out. And as always, if you have comments, questions, or prayer requests, please email us at office.saltandlight at gmail.com. We're here for you. We're a part of your crew. And now I'm going to talk about something that I've honestly been struggling with offering. And before I actually go into it, I want to make it clear we're here to get God's Word out to help people build their relationship with God. That's our mission. The content that we offer is free to everyone. No admission necessary. But God's been dealing with me in my spirit 
about giving people the opportunity to financially partner with the ministry so that I'm not robbing everyone of their opportunity to be blessed. Again, I want to be clear. I don't want anyone to partner with this ministry with a greedy intention or a greedy heart. And I believe that we're blessed to be a blessing. I'm limited. I can only reach so many people and expose this message to so many. But together, we can reach a lot more and empower disciples to disciple. Reaching this world and giving them the opportunity to take those first steps to have a firm foundational relationship with God. So I'm going to ask you to pray, ask God, seek His answer, and then knock on the opportunities that He gives you. And if God leads you to knock on the opportunity to financially support this ministry, then you can do so by the links provided in the description of the episode. Or you can click the Learn More button on the Facebook page, Salt and Light Ministries, Building Relational Disciples. And you can also visit our podcast homepage, saltandlight.buzzsprout.com, and click the Heart button above. For all of you that share this message with others, thank you. For everyone that financially supports this ministry, thank you. And for all of you that prayerfully support this ministry, thank you. And I hope that everyone comes back next week as we learn about how our feelings are tools in our toolbox. Until then, be bold, be strong, and be blessed. Jesus.